Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Jay, and this is the Rewatch Podcast. I watch movies all the time. Then I like to rewatch them, and sometimes I'll even watch them again. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad or just downright terrible. I'm going to watch them and then tell you all about them. And sometimes I'll have special guests join me. This is the Rewatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Rewatch Podcast. I am Jay Thomas, and this week we're taking a look at three movies, because for some reason I've been stuck in an aquatic sci-fi horror marathon. And I don't mean marathon as in, like, I'm watching them back to back to back. I mean marathon in that, like, every movie that I've watched consecutively has been a movie that has taken place on a boat or on a sea vessel of some kind. Maybe it's an underwater facility it's science fiction and it's horror and that's all I've been watching and it's very weird. I didn't know I had such an affinity for this very specific subgenre of horror and sci-fi, which in itself is a subgenre. I don't even know how you'd explain this. We're talking about Deep Rising from 1998, Leviathan from 1989, and Virus from 1999. Woof. This has been a little bit of a chore that I put myself through. I don't know why I do this to myself. I'd like to say it's because of the podcast, but I know better. I would have done this with or without a podcast. This is just the weird life that I live. Let's kick things off going back to 1998 with Deep Rising, directed by Stephen Summers. Welcome to the greatest pleasure ship ever built. Good times forever! I have something here, sir. I've never seen anything like this. It's a malfunction, sir. That's impossible. Where are they coming from? I don't know, sir, but whatever it is, it's, uh, big. They answered a distress call. Where the hell is everybody? Now. What the hell is that? They're dead in the water. I got a really bad feeling about this. The ship's infested! Let's get the hell out of here! What the hell is that? Girl from Ipanema. I don't mean to sound like a wuss. But this is starting to freak me out, man. I vote we leave. Who votes we leave? Rising. So this was the first one that I watched. This is the one I watched when I knew I was going to be out of town and I was going to be in a hotel. I bought this movie a long time ago on iTunes because Sean, frequent collaborator on this podcast, uh, said I would really like it. He had bought it on Blu-ray. He's like, you would love this. You would you would have a lot of fun with it. And I saw it with Stephen Summers. And Stephen Summers, I don't always love his movies, but I do enjoy them. Stephen Summers, if you don't know... He directed The Mummy. He also did G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, Van Helsing, The Mummy Returns. So he's done quite a bit. Odd Thomas was the last movie he directed in uh, 2013, which is a... I, I didn't dislike that movie, but it, it gets dark in a way I don't really like. But the one thing I do like about his movies, they're not always that great, but there's a certain like fun and hamminess that comes with all of them. And they're always just kind of a, a good time. Like The Mummy... I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great movie, but it's a lot of fun, and it knows what it is. It's kind of a campy adventure throwback movie that you I could imagine seeing like in the 40s. Like It definitely loves—I know he loves the Universal Monsters, 
because I I saw many interviews with him when he made Van Helsing, which is a movie I don't necessarily enjoy. But again, a lot of the acting is very over the top, very big, and they everybody really goes for it when they're making these movies. What is Deep Rising about? It's about a group of heavily armed hijackers who board a luxury ocean liner in the South Pacific Ocean to loot it, only to do battle with a series of large-sized, tentacled, man-eating sea creatures who had already invaded the ship. Yeah, this movie is, uh, there's a lot going on, like, immediately you're thrown into it. And one of the things that really threw me off, actually, was that it starred Treat Williams. Like, I I just, I know who Treat Williams is, but I can't say I've ever seen, like, a ton of his movies. He was the bad guy in The Phantom, which is another movie that I have seen multiple times, but I don't often remember it. And I don't necessarily remember him. He's just a guy that's in, like, a lot of TV movies. He was the dad in the show Everwood, which I know is a show that existed, but I know nothing about it. I think he was a dad. I assumed he was a dad. He looks dadish. And when I saw he was a star, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting choice for, like, the late 90s. There was a lot of other bigger people. Famke Jansen's also in it. She plays a character named Trillian, which, again, late 90s. Famke Jansen... She was all over the late 90s and early 2000s. She's like, if I see her, I'm like, I know where I am time-wise in this movie. It also has Kevin J. O'Connor, who's in a lot of Stephen Summers' movies. He's like the sidekick character in all of them. Like, uh, if you watch The Mummy, he's the guy that's sort of Brendan Fraser's, like, secondary person in the beginning, but then he turns his back on him. And he, he's basically the, the character, like, he's very annoying usually, and you kind of just want him, like, to die. But you're thrown into this movie on this cruise ship that's, like, huge. It's this big uh, ship that's going to, it, like, holds the most people, and it's going to, it's very luxurious. Then they're having this party, and all of a sudden, they're like, this thing happens. They're getting attacked, and they don't know what from, and you don't see it either uh, for quite a while, actually. Uh, and then you're, you go to this other ship that's full of hijackers that just happens to have rented a boat from Treat Williams and Kevin O'Connor. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, wow. I'm instantly introduced to, like, 20 different characters, and I don't know exactly what's going on. But the mercenaries are very, like, James Cameron-y, aliens type of bad guys. And that alien is something I'm probably going to reference quite a bit, because that is, like, a through line in all of these movies. They're all very alien-esque and aliens-esque, uh, more so the first alien movie. But uh, eventually, you know, they, they go, they find out about this big ship, and they're going towards it. They don't know at all what they're going for. Uh, Treat Williams' character, John Finnegan, he has no idea where he's going, but these mercenaries have paid him a bunch of money, and they're going to go. And then they find out they've got, like, rockets on their boats, or torpedoes, not rockets. And everybody's kind of freaking out, like, why, why, why are there torpedoes? What is going on? So they get to the other boat. Uh, essentially, the guy that, that created this sh big ship, Anthony Hailed, uh, he's the, the actor, Simon Canton is the character, uh, he has hired the mercenaries basically to destroy the ship. The people were going to be off it because it's too expensive to make. And not like a lot of people came to it, but he didn't know how expensive it was going to be. So he's going to collect insurance. Like that's, that's the basic plan. And then these monsters get involved and they're all stuck on the ship and they're trying to get off of the ship and people die along the way. You're on and off like the smaller boat and then the big giant one and, um, of course, things are sinking. That's one thing I've noticed, too. If it's a movie that's based on water and you're on a boat, you're also fighting it from sinking is essentially what's going to happen. Like, that's 
that's what it is. And I don't know if it's like the claustrophobia of these movies, but there's something that I'm I'm drawn to them. But this movie, once the the creatures show up, it does that late '90s movie thing where it uses a lot of CG, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's complete dog shit. And that's the biggest problem I've noticed with going back to movies of the late 90s. And I would say in this movie, like 50% of the time, they're okay. But the thing that I liked about this the most is that everybody is just playing it so big. Like, if you made this movie black and white, I would love it even more. Like, I almost turned my TV black and white. I was going to do that to the iPad that I watched this on, which I (laughs) shouldn't watch this on my iPad. I should have just waited until I got home. But I was in a hotel Shauna was about falling asleep, so I was like, why not? I think I watched the second half on the actual TV. That was the other thing. I only watched like the first half because I'm like, I started this way too late. I've already taken a melatonin. What the hell's my problem? But the performances are so big and so silly and campy that I liked it. Plus, the death and the gore effects are actually pretty good. Like, There's some pretty seamless, practical-slash-CG deaths in this that I really liked. Uh, when it comes to the actual monster, yes, I said monster before I was saying monsters. It's really like a like one big giant monster, and the tentacle monsters are just like part of it, and they're attached. Uh, I was a little confused as to how it all works, if it really made a a ton of sense. Um, but the movie's pretty. It just it's nonstop. Like it just once it starts, which it, it pretty much gets going immediately. Uh, it doesn't slow down. It's like a, a super fast-paced movie, and I really enjoyed that. Like, it, it just gives you what you want. It's a monster movie, half under the sea, half on top of the sea, with a giant creature that is uh, doing a lot of jump-scare things. Like, I don't know how it's sneaking around as much as it does, but that's that's the same with every big, giant monster movie. Like, that's just what's going to happen. But Steven Summers knows these movies. Like, he knows the fun creature features and I think he really excels at those. Like, if they made this, if they did, like, another cut where it was, a, like, a black and white version and you paired it with, like, The Mist from Stephen King, which is a much more serious movie, but also has that, like, high level of, like, creature feature ideas, I, they would be a great double feature. I should just do that anyway. Um, but I don't know that I can handle the end of The Mist again. It's so dark. One thing I thought was crazy, at the end of this movie, they end up on an island and you hear, like, a roar And it's like, oh, great, what's next? In fact, I think they say that. This looks like a nice enough place. Now what? And the island, I'm like, what are they, is this leading to something? Were they going to do a sequel? Yes. Stephen Summers was going to remake King Kong. Or he was going to, like, do a new King Kong movie. It would have been probably bad, but I probably would have had a fun time watching it. You don't see Kong, but you see trees moving, you hear roar, like, I think there's flying things, and it was basically supposed to be Skull Island that they landed on. It never ended up happening, he moved on to the mummy, but I think Stephen Summers would have, I think he would have known how to do it. Kind of like Kong Skull Island, where it's like, you know what, we're just gonna, it's gonna be monsters, it's gonna be Kong just there. I I think that, I think it would have been kind of like that, but it would have been very late 90s, early 2000, I don't know how it would have ended up, but I was very intrigued when I read that that's where Deep Rising ended. Uh, But I do recommend this movie. If you've never seen it, it is a lot of fun. I don't think it's necessarily a good movie, but it is a fun late 90s aquatic horror sci-fi. But I did notice as I was looking this movie up on IMDb, I was like, well, what are some other movies that are kind of like this? Because it was sort of of giving me that, uh, that feeling of Sphere, which I watched not that long ago. 
I remember really liking Sphere, and Sphere was it's a Michael Crichton story. I don't think he wrote the script or anything. Barry Levinson made it. It's again late nineties, nineteen ninety eight. It starred Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, Samuel L. Jackson. It's basically a big giant alien sphere thing is found way deep underwater and it's an underwater base and a lot of people get paranoid there's creatures there might not be creatures who knows and there's it's just like like a paranoia movie but it's underwater and that's what I kind of thought of I'm like well, what other movies are there like this by the way rewatching that not that long ago eh, I still like some of it didn't quite hold up like I had thought that it would and I, I'm finding out with all these movies, there are production problems with every single one. They're all different, but every one of these movies has production issues for some reason. But the next movie that I watched is a movie I've heard of for years, and I had never seen. I had seen the poster a lot, uh, and it's Leviathan from 1989, directed by George P. Cosmatos. It was an experiment that tampered with nature's most basic laws. It went terribly wrong. It was buried five miles down. Now, a crew of undersea miners is about to stumble upon this terrifying secret. Shack to seven, what's going on out there, Williams? Thank God, are you picking this up? Look at that. Leviathan. Currently with the Russian fleet in the Baltic Sea. Currently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. What's your air reading? 20 minutes. Do something quick. Boston. My crew's in jeopardy. But you have no proof. I'm ordering you to start an emergency medical evacuation. What if it turns out to be nothing? Help me. It's already killed one man. My breathe stopped. I'm losing compression. I can't breathe. Whatever got six-pack and Bowman, it's still here. I feel something. Somebody's alive in here. What's going on? Six-pack. Six-pack, answer. <laughs> What are you trying to tell us, Doc? It absorbs the intelligence of its victims. Thank goodness you're still alive. When are you coming? I say we protect ourselves. Leviathan. All of these movies that I watched were new to me. Uh, Leviathan was something I knew nothing about. I knew the title, and I'd heard people talking about it, and I remember the poster. Uh, but then I watched the trailer, and I was like, this is a cast I can get behind. Peter Weller, a.k.a. Robocop. Uh, Richard Crenna is in it. He He's like the sergeant or commander or whatever for uh, in Rambo, and all the Rambo movies. Daniel Stern from Home Alone. Amanda Pays from the Flash TV show. That's what I know her from. Ernie Hudson, who I've interviewed before. Super nice guy. He's a Ghostbuster. He's in The Crow. He's in all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, Meg Foster's in it, who is in a lot of like horror movies of that time. I believe she was Evil Lynn in the He-Man movie. You know, She's got these crazy eyes that I don't know if they're beautiful or terrifying at any given moment. And Hector Elizondo, who I've never seen him in anything that I didn't like. Um, he's always good and stuff. I, I think I think the movie that I think about him in the most is Necessary Roughness, which I know he's made better movies than that. But I I saw him and I'm like, yep, I'm in. Let's do this again. This was in the same sale that uh, Deep Rising was on, so I got this for 4.99. I was like, why not? Let's go for it. Can't be all bad, right? 
well, it's not all bad, no. But this isn't great. And remember before when I said, I'll probably bring up Alien a lot. This movie is basically Alien underwater. Uh, perched on the hull of a wrecked Soviet freighter, a team of deep sea miners, which for some reason that made me laugh when I heard that, uh, led by head oceanographer Stephen Beck, who's played by Robocop, Peter Weller, but from here on out, I will refer to him as Robocop, comes face to face with a mutant creature that's the product of a failed genetic experiment. I did like most of this movie. Um, I thought it, it had some good atmosphere to it. I liked the crew. Daniel Stern plays a character named Sixpack. For some reason, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. He's going to be a character named Sixpack. And he's like the oversexed, pervy character. Ernie Hudson is solid in this. He had already been uh, Winston from the first Ghostbusters. I think this came out the same year as the second Ghostbusters movie. And I just, I really liked the cast. I thought they played well together. There is the, um, you have to have it, the obligatory, like, dinner scene with everybody huddled around and busted each other's chops. That has to be in one of these movies. And basically they're going out on a mission and they find uh, this Russian ship that the, called the Leviathan and they bring back a chest from it while Daniel Stern does. And there's like, um, there's something in it that spreads a, I guess you could call it kind of a virus, but it, it infects uh, Daniel Stern's character who gets this really gross rash that spreads like almost immediately and by like the end of the day he's dead and it's a pretty gross body horror in this movie and I really like that like it's very it doesn't always look real but I don't really care if it does in a movie like this like it just sort of works and then there's a another character uh, named Bridget played by Issa Ilbacher uh who I liked her but she kind of does a flirty thing with Daniel Stern more may have happened between them and uh, then she starts to get infected, and uh, Richard Crenna is the doctor. And he's like, okay, we need to maybe stop this from uh, spreading even further. What is going on? And uh, RoboCop plays the uh, the guy that's in charge of everything, and he's trying to, like, keep this from everybody. But then once, you know, the creature kind of starts to evolve from Daniel Stern, um, it does get pretty creepy, and it does have some good atmospheric stuff, but it definitely owes a lot to Alien, like, 100%, because it just kind of goes from, like, person to person, and they get, like, big guns, very similar to Aliens, and it starts to feel very much like both of those movies put together. Uh, but where this kind of falls apart, other than the fact that it was, you know, fairly unoriginal, uh, I do like the underwater stuff. I liked all that. I like the ship. It's very dark and dingy and wet, just like they always are. But once we start getting to the creature... That's where I sort of have problems with the movie. Like, you're leading to it, and you see glimpses here and there. And it is kind of gross, the the stuff that you do get to see. I would say think Slither and the Grant Grant monster in the movie Slither. If you've never seen Slither, by the way, watch it. It's the best. But the creature kind of has that feel, I think, because you never really get a super good look at it. Like, you kind of find out Russians were experimenting on their people without letting them know trying to create people that were, like, had a DNA mixed with, I think, like, fish or something along those lines, where it would make them able to breathe underwater, so they were doing a lot of weird experimental stuff. And so the creature is, like, a mixture of everybody that it comes into contact with, but then it also kind of reminds me of what the thing looks like when, like, it's part dog, but you never really get a good look at it, 
ever. Like, it's always in shadow. But I get why, because when you do finally get a decent look, again, it's still not a full glimpse at it. It looks pretty bad. It's very, it's a very rubbery looking creature that I can see why they kept it in the dark. Because when you do get a, a shot, when there's the escape at the end and they're in the ocean, like on, on like top of the ocean, uh, and there's the jump scare at the end where the monster pops out. Um, spoiler, I guess, for this movie that came out in 1989. I was surprised by what I saw. I'm like, that's not what I was imagining, I guess, through the whole thing. But it also looks real bad, real dumb. Like it's part fish, but part like the other people. But it wasn't really put together. It's like, sort of like they lost their budget or didn't really know how to make what they wanted to make. And at least it's practical, I guess, because I think if they would have made it in the 90s, it would have looked real CG bad. Yeah, the movie kind of falls apart for me there. I liked it to a point. I would say when, let's say, Richard Crenna gets, um, when he meets the creature. From then on, there's like a, there's like one scene that's like, oh, that's kind of creepy. And then after that, like when it comes down to like maybe three people left in the crew, it just, it looks so terrible. I just, I, I don't like it. I, and, I, and it was funny, and when this was over, I'm like, all right, this sort of reminded me of Alien mixed with, like, The Abyss. And The Abyss is one I wanted to watch, but it's not digital. It's not out digitally, and it's not streaming anywhere. My app that I use told me it was on Stars, and that was a lie, so thanks a bunch. But then going from this, I was looking on IMDb of, like, what what is recommended? And uh, Virus was on there, and that was also listed on the movies you might like on iTunes when I finished the movie. And I remember Virus. I don't, I've never seen Virus, but I remembered it was a trailer with Jamie Lee Curtis in it, and there was, like, monster robots at sea. And when it came out in 99, I thought, well, this looks really stupid. I don't want anything to do with this. That was before I realized I, hadn't, I, I had a love of not only aquatic sci-fi horror, but movies. So let's talk about the John Bruno classic question mark exclamation point virus it has traveled across time and space an energy force unlike any in the universe it is powerful intelligent and it has found the perfect planet to inhabit. I'm picking up a contact. Twelve miles out. Speed, zero knots. It's dead in the water, but it's big. It's really big. Oh, hey! Is there anyone aboard? I don't get it. I mean, we got a Russian vessel, middle of nowhere, dead in the water, crew vanished. I mean, why the hell would they abandon ship, huh? Shh. You hear that? We don't find any dead bodies. We got somebody else on board. Repeat. We got somebody else on board. That's who sank the tug. Drop it. During a transmission from the Mir space station, something came onto the ship. I took control of computers. He was learning. Learning what? How to kill us. Somebody welded the engine room door shut. What is it? High-tech robotics. Get back! Now, 
in order to survive. It's creating a new life form. What? It wants us for spare parts. It must destroy the one threat oh my God. to its existence. I'm gonna die! The virus called man. So for some reason with this movie, I knew enough to not buy it. And I'm glad. I'm glad I, I didn't. This one, we're never really fully underwater. There is sinking ships like uh, like the first movie, like uh, Deep Rising. Uh, but this is another one where you got a smaller ship going to a bigger ship, and that's where there's craziness going on. Uh, the movie actually starts on a Russian ship, much like uh, Leviathan. So this time you actually see the, the big giant boat. And uh, they're communicating with a satellite up in space. And there's this CG purple bluish entity floating towards them. It like destroys the satellite. And then from there, that satellite shoots down to this big boat that has a bunch of satellite dishes on it. They're like a science ship. Then there's just like destruction. And then you cut to this tugboat in a hurricane. And I got to tell you, this was one of the most insane openings I've ever seen because immediately. They're dragging cargo, and Donald Sutherland plays the captain, who I don't know if he's supposed to be British or Irish. He has somewhat of an accent, and I don't know where it's from. Whether it's Irish or British, it's definitely That I could tell 100%. And he pulls a gun on William Baldwin, Billy Baldwin, as I like to call him, in, uh, in this movie immediately. Like, right away, the captain is gone nuts because he wants to keep the cargo because they're gonna get a lot of money and everybody's like we're in a a hurricane we're in a typhoon like we need to cut this and get out of here and he's like no never and whips out a gun and i'm like what is happening this is immediate this is the first time you see these people and i'm like i want this movie this seems like the end of a pretty insane movie jamie lee curtis is part of this crew She's the navigator, trying to figure out how to get them out of this hurricane. And she's just sort of there watching as this insanity is happening. I on, I just watched this movie last night as of this recording, and I, I don't really remember how they stop Donald Sutherland in that part. If somebody hits him, I know he gets hit later. And Jamie Lee Curtis punches him right in the face at one point. I don't think it's here, though. I think it's later. And eventually they, they stop it, and he goes down into his cabin where he's going to shoot himself in the face. Uh, he puts a gun in his mouth. Uh, but before you can do that, they notice on their uh, their radar that there's another ship, a really big ship just floating that has nothing to it, no communication, no nothing, and it might need their help, and it stops him from, from shooting himself. And they get on there, and they realize there's no one there. Down Southern's like, holy crap, guys, guess what? This could make us a ton of money. $300 million easy because there's nobody on it. Like, no one's on the ship when they get there. This thing was full when we first saw it. Well, that's not true. There is a lady scientist that is still on the ship. They just don't know it yet. They find her later. She comes bursting out of a closet in, like, a hazmat, like, gas mask and, like, overall type of outfit, and she's shooting a machine gun at them. It's actually wonderful. Everyone's dead. There's, like, blood on the doors. They're like, what is going on? What happened here? But they don't see anybody. Donald Sutherland's like, well, due to maritime law, we could tow this in, and if we get it and no one's in here, which it looks like there's not, we get to claim it, and blah, 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 we'll get $300 million for it. That'll be like $3 million for each of us and all this stuff, and he's clearly still bonkers. But everybody's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Sure. So then they, they look through the ship, and they start to see, like, there's a room 
that has like these little robots working on something. You're like, what? When did this become Transformers? Turns out the alien uh, entity, the like blue and purple lightning storm in space that shot down on the ship, can take the form of machines, take over the machines, needs the electricity to go. When they power the ship back up, the alien robots, like he's built, this entity has built these machines to work on things. And uh, it's bizarre and weird, but the practical effects are actually really good in this movie. It's because John Bruno is a special effects person. He was going to do Titanic and then ended up doing this. He's worked with James Cameron a lot. So the effects in this movie are actually really, really good. Um, there's some big giant robots, not like huge robots, but like uh, person size robots that are half, that have human parts and robots. So it's sort of like Terminator-ish, which makes sense because he worked on Terminator. And they move a little bit like the Terminator without skin. So that's the, that's the thing that I like the most about this. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, for the most part in the movie, doesn't really do a ton except run around and kind of scream. Eventually, like, she, you know, gets a gun and is, like, takes charge, but it takes a little while, more than I was expecting. Also, she does consider this movie the worst movie she's ever made. She hates it. Um, the plan for the alien is is that they're going to he, it, I don't know. It sounds like a guy because it has a voice through a computer, which is weird. There's a whole scene where, like, the people are doing, like, an, like a, a chat room with this alien. <laughs> And communicating with it, but then like a voice comes over the speakers. You're like, I don't exactly know how that's happening. I don't really care. Whatever happens, happens. But as it goes on, like it starts killing some of the crew through these uh, robots that it has, and then it starts to change them into hybrid bio robots or something. I think that's what they call them, or bio machines, or I don't know. They basically want to use humans for like secondary parts. Like if something breaks down, they can use human parts. <laughs> It, I don't know if it totally makes sense, but the uh, makeup effects were actually real fun, and I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I thought that was good. Uh, eventually, the effects get kind of bad towards the end when, like, it's the final battle. The robot gets a little bit too CG, and it looks a little weird. And the human-robot hybrids, it's sort of like the Borg meets the Cybermen from Star Trek and Doctor Who. I think I liked it, but I don't know. It was a kind of a... Show of a movie. Like, I would not probably recommend this one. I don't think I'd really watch this one again because it wasn't really ever campy enough to be fun. Like, it didn't have the fun, exciting um, pace that, like, Deep Rising had. And it wasn't as moody as Leviathan, which I really liked. But Virus has this, it's just, it's them going through the ship trying to figure out what these machines are up to. And then the machines kind of take them over. There is an, an, a cool part where Donald Sutherland. Uh, is trying to screw them all over and work with the alien machine monster. And I mean, I think you know how that's probably going to go. And then we get this this shot, this scene where it's like Jamie Lee Curtis versus this Donald Sutherland robot, where it's like Donald Sutherland's head on, I think, one of the Russian guy's bodies and then a robot lower half. But you never see it all together unless it's like from behind and it's clearly like either CG or stop motion. I couldn't really tell. Uh, which is probably good that I couldn't tell, but it's the makeup's clunky in, in that part. But I just kept thinking, like, Donald Sutherland, you're a really good actor. Why did you say yes to this movie? Because I kept looking at him in that moment, and I was like, that had to have taken a long-ass time to put on all of that makeup for this movie, which he clearly was not giving it his all 
with the accent because again I had no idea what the accent was that he was doing but I knew it wasn't right <laughs> I knew that much and so I looked it up and it was uh six hours to put that makeup on that would have been hell and then to see what the movie ended up being like Jamie Lee Curtis at one point tried to get the director fired uh and bring on Steve Miner who had made Halloween H2O and she really liked working with him and I mean H2O is not horrible it's just not a great Halloween entry but it's it's passable it's definitely better than virus and this one when I got done I'm like this doesn't really totally fit with the other movies I mean it kind of does because this one isn't underwater kind of like deep rising I don't know it didn't have like the cast that I thought was that fun I mean William Baldwin and Jamie Lee Curtis like they didn't really have much to do with each other I mean they were together but there was like no real chemistry there and with the whole crew like nobody really stood out all that much you didn't have like the Kevin O'Connor from Deep Rising you didn't have any of the fun cast of uh, Leviathan with these really fun character actors all put together so it was it was strange it was just like I was watching Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie and Donald Sutherland like come on you guys could do better than this but the the effects are good the the effects and the makeup stuff I really liked in this one. Everything else, just not very good. Very late 90s. Very late 90s sci-fi garbage. But again, I was stuck in this weird sci-fi aquatic horror subgenre that uh, I do enjoy watching the movies, but I, they're not—they're never really all that great. And it's, it is weird how most of them have production problems. Like even when I was talking about Sphere, that had production issues and things got rushed and special effects weren't done. Same with the, all of them. They all had special effects issues in some way. Uh, the only thing that Virus had really going for it was the fact that its director, he was primarily a special effects person. But yeah, that was that kind of concludes my, my weird little journey through the aquatic sci-fi horror. Not great movies, but enjoyable. Deep Rising was definitely the most fun. Leviathan, I, I wanted to like a lot more, and then it just... You know, you're kind of building up to seeing this monster, and then you see the monster, and it's like, I don't want to see the monster. And then Virus could uh, could be like a prequel to the Transformers, I think. These were all little Decepticons. Um, and then I felt like there was going to be a twist at the end of the movie. Uh, when they're getting away, I thought there'd be like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like, oh, the alien has gone onto this helicopter. Somehow it's it was it moved on from one of to one of these people, and they didn't they just don't realize it yet. But no, the movie just ends, and there's seven minutes of credits. They're like, oh, there's a lot of time left in this movie. Nope, it's all credits. Every single uh, the last like 10 minutes is all just credits it's like wow okay uh some other movies i kind of wished i would have watched like i said abyss i wish i would have watched i would like to give underwater another look that's the uh kristen stewart's movie that uh, came out a few years ago i remember thinking it wasn't bad i didn't give underwater uh, the whole time i'm like this is just kind of like alien but i didn't realize like they're all sort of like alien and who knows maybe alien was like something else um there's some other ones i, I would like to see um, I would like to see uh, Deep Star 6, which is streaming on something. And that kind of looked like Leviathan, honestly, a little bit. I don't know if it is. It might not be anything like it. Um, but I did want to check that out. I kind of wanted to watch Deep Blue Sea again because it sort of had that feel to it. I kind of feel like I like uh, Deep Blue Sea a little bit more every time I watch it. Again, not great, but people messing with sharks. Got that sci-fi element. You got the horror element. It's underwater. Definitely fits. One of the better ones. I would say watching Deep Rising and like Deep Blue Sea, a couple of movies with deep in the title, good stuff. Give it a shot. See if you like this uh, weird subgenre that I fell into. The Rewatch Podcast is an Alpha Media production.